everybody. Uh, hello and welcome back to Star Trek MTT, Megan's Top 20. Uh, we're recording in a whole new room. Uh, we're hoping you'll get rid of that, uh, that annoying like background hum uh, echo that we occasionally get. We should comment on why we've been gone for so long, uh, like every other time. Life. Uh, people moved into where we were living, people moved out where we were living, people uh, people moved in next door, people moved out of where we are currently living, we got new furniture, you know, we had bills coming in, we had transferring stuff. Uh, adult stuff. Just basic work and life got in the way. Plus, we did take, I'll admit, a couple of weeks off just to have some fun. Uh, we made some serious headway in Star Trek Online. Finally. Finally. I've been putting that off for like a year. Now we're at a couple a, years actually. We're at a spot. We'll just say that. For anyone who's played it, which is I'm assuming not a small percentage of the listeners of this, if we ever have any, yeah. uh, we're at the Solane Dyson Sphere, or jumping to, uh, we we're at that point where we can do the ground fighting in the Solane Dyson Sphere, or we can just jump, I believe, to the Delta Quadrant missions. And we're currently debating because we don't really like the ground combat, uh, uh, especially in this part because it's. Terrible. <laughs> it's like they were clearly trying to do a uh, uh, Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, like, but it's but not. It's not as it good. doesn't. It doesn't control like Star Wars Battlefront in any way. Well, whereas Battlefront was designed from the ground up to be that, this feels much more like it was designed to be a space battle series where the ground combat was just you know basic. Added on. Well, not even added on. Just a, a basic to do. Like I yeah. don't think they expect it to be that big of a deal. Yeah. And then at this point in the story, I guess people who actually liked the ground combat had whined enough or complained enough or they just thought they had it licked enough, they decided to go ahead and do a bunch of, you know, capture the flag, secure the location storylines. The problem is that it's taking forever. Yeah, it's not easy. But, okay, but that's one of the reasons why we also didn't come back because we just wanted to get a little bit further in Star Trek Online and we only have a few days off together to do it. Yeah. So, all that aside, we are now back yep. uh, with episode 15, which is Deep Space Nine's uh, Measure of a Man uh -huh. uh, duet. Yeah. Uh, which was in its first season, episode 19. It uh, doesn't feel like a first season episode for Star Trek, but. No, it's amazing. Which sounds but, weird. It, we, we were talking about this. The, yeah. uh, in all the other Star Treks we've seen, including Picard and Discovery. Yeah. There is no episode equal to duet in writing or performance in its first season outside of the original series, which had two, in my opinion, that I can recall off the top of my head anyway, yeah. uh, which was Balance of Terror and Where No Man Has Gone Before, the pilot. Yeah. Uh, the second pilot, I should say. Yeah. And we already covered Balance of Terror. You know how much we like that one. Mm -hmm. um, but all of the classic Star Trek that isn't the original series... Doesn't really have an episode this good this early. No, most of the other series, like the the first season of Next Generation, is just atrocious. Yeah, there's a couple of moments we like, and there's a couple of episodes that are interesting, but it's more like they set up stuff to be done better later. Yeah, and then the first season of Voyager is not very good. I can't think of a really good episode in the entirety of the first it's season. It's bland as hell, and then um, Enterprise is just. Also, sorry, and Enterprise. The first season of Enterprise is awful. Yeah, because Carbon Creek, which is the first really, really good episode of Enterprise, isn't until the beginning of season two. Like maybe the I mean, you give the credit to the finale. Well, I think the final, the the season one finale, one season two opener, is really good in that one hook. Great. One hooks you because yeah. it ends on a. For those of you who haven't seen Enterprise, it ends on a. Archer is pulled to the distant future, yeah. and uh, everything is destroyed. Yeah. There's no technology. It looks like the entirety of Earth has been bombarded from space, and just everyone. And the only signal out. that they read is from uh, Romulus, basically. No, I didn't have that. that yeah. You're thinking of the uh, the episode of uh, where uh, Cisco and. No, no. The Shear go back in time because that's when they they're on the Defiant in the present day, and they they detect uh, Romulan transmission. No, but they it, it's also in this ep in that episode too. I know they reference the Romulan Star Empire uh, with a book on the shelf, yeah. but there are no there's no way to detect any transmissions. Oh, uh, I thought he had like a scanner or something. But... He had his personal communicator, but literally the only reason the only time that they mention that is when he's like, "Do you have your communicator on you?" Yeah, and my my phaser that too. I need it to be able to fix this so we can send you back to the past so yeah uh we did 
no other Star Trek show, with the exception of the original series, has yeah. an episode on par with Duet, no. which is just yeah. amazing. Uh, first off, I should say, according to IMDb's trivia page, this is actually loosely based on Robert Shaw's 1967 stage play, The Man in the Glass Booth, mm -hmm. uh, which tells of a Jewish man accused of being a Nazi war criminal. And Star Trek alumni Leonard Nimoy actually played the lead role years before this episode, mm. which is interesting. And he is a Jewish man, I believe. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy was Jewish. Yes, he was Jewish. Uh, this a lot also... of the Vulcan culture comes from his Jewish heritage. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people, uh, I should clarify... This has ended up on a lot of top ten lists for DS9, a lot of top hundred lists for Star Trek. Yeah. Very high. Uh, this this actually, the original working title for this episode was The Higher Law, which I can understand, given part of the story, what they were going for with that. Yeah. But Though I actually like Duet, especially as it kind of mirrors with Waltz yeah. later. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know if we're covering on this, we only got five more slots, so who knows? It's really hard. So Duet is, is great. Yeah. Uh, the, the premise is, well, well, we'll go through the episode and describe it, but just for clarification's <laughs> sake, we're going to refer to the guy as both Darheel and Maritza. At uh, different points. At different points, but it's the same exact character. Yeah. And it, spoilers, it's Maritza at the end. You find that out. Yeah. So just bear that in this mind. This episode's been out for almost 30 years, yes. so go watch it. <laughs> well, I just don't want to spoil that big twist, because that is one of the good ones. Yeah. I, I want you to remember if you can. Well, well, first, again, we should cover how we first saw this. I, as with everything else, DS9 saw this when I bought the original DVD release, which is right after I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember this being one of the better episodes, but I didn't like the way that this is post 9-11 that I got to see this, pre-9-11 when this was written. So the idea that terrorism was in any way justifiable was a mindset I was I was still way too black and white to understand what the levels they were going for was here. Yeah. So I actually found it kind of aggravating, even though I admitted the story was really good. Um, how about, you watched it with me. Yeah. Uh, so what was your first impressions of this? When okay, you first saw so it, it was weird watching this because, like, we had been, we had gone through the original series and we just finished Next Generation, which was starting to peter out, but had a really good finale, and then we started DS9, and it wasn't perfect, but I felt a connection to it. I don't know why. I'm just Well, you like, clearly liked the pilot, because that was already one I really the liked the pilot. The pilot's, out of most of the pilots, it's one of the better ones. Yeah, I would say it's up there. The only other one that comes close is... The uh, original series. Yeah. Where No Man's Either gone. of the pilots of the yeah. original series. Actually, yeah. Either The Cage or yeah. Where No Man Has Gone. Yeah, before. when I was... Kicks to... the pants out of uh, out of the Salt Vampire one, though. <laughs> That's not a very good episode. It's not a bad episode, but it's not a very good one either. <laughs> it's but, just weird. Go ahead. But, yeah, uh, I was actually connecting with the characters faster than I did with the ones in Next Generation. Like, I mean, I liked Data, which... Who doesn't like Data? But, like... At the in the first season, I didn't really feel anything for those characters. In this in this uh, show, and you liked Q. Be honest, he was great. I fucking loved him, <laughs> but he wasn't a main cast character. He's just a a guy that showed up every once in a while. The fuck two it episodes up. in season one, though. So. Yeah, I'll give you that. But um, in the first season of DS Nine, I actually liked the characters a lot. Like I was. I mean, I, I I could tell they were still trying to figure out who they were, mm -hmm. but there were crumbs and pieces. Like I, I was like, I liked I, you. You asked me, I think, when we first were watching it, do you like Kira? And I'm like, yeah, I actually do. I I, I do like her. And you're like, I I didn't when I first watched this, and I'm like, I I like her a lot, <laughs> and I liked Bashir. And then you told me, yeah, everybody hated him, and I'm like. What? <laughs> and then, and I liked Cisco because he had this great relationship with his son. And then, and it, it was just like I, I, I just had an easier time connecting with the show. And this episode was, I forgot it was in the first season when I was rewatching it. Like, because I, I think I've rewatched about half of this bef at one point, but then I. I moved up here and I I lost track. Yeah. But I was rewatching it. And I'm like, I forgot this was in the first season. It's so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, uh, so that's how we both first saw this. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the episode opens with um, Kira talking with Jadzia about mm -hmm. general life stuff, which was nice flavoring they did every Yeah, that's again. something that DS9 also did a little bit faster. I mean, they did it a little more in the second season, but they started doing it for where the characters were actually talking to each other. They eventually do it in Next Generation. Let me be clear. They do it in Next Generation starting in the second season and actually working on it in the third season, which is really good. It's when it starts picking up. Yeah, the only character moments, I can't believe I'm saying this, that I can remember in the first season, and they're not good, are the Naked Now episode where every <laughs> woman suddenly becomes a horny, like, uh, a Just horn wants dog. to sleep with people. Yeah, Dr. Crusher basically begs... I'm a woman and I need, have needs. Yeah, she basically begs Picard <laughs> for like, the D, and then uh, the Deanna Troy goes, Don't you want to be alone with me, Will? Be with in me your inside your mind. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, that was the second episode. Yeah, and those and were... And it fucking sucks. The sad thing is that in the original, we're getting off topic, but the original series, the they use the drunk aspect to really explore some of the characters. Yeah. Whereas the only exploration they do in that one is that the... Everybody's horny. Well, the women are horny. The, the men are, are just stupid and trying their best to focus. They're just, they yeah. have, they just are, they just have ADHD. <laughs> they're like, oh, I can't focus. <laughs> While the women are all like horny. And I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Especially yeah. since they're all drunk. Yeah. So, oh, well. Uh, so, anyway, the the episode opens, and then they get a call from, I can't remember the name of the alien species, but there's a freighter that wants to dock, and the, the alien design was cool. Yeah. Looked really neat. Uh, the guy says, I have a... A lot a, of work for a one-off character that... He's barely in it for five minutes, yeah. if that. I mean, probably more like a two-minute cameo, basically. And he's yeah. just a guy talking into a camera. Yeah. But uh, he says, uh, I have a... a uh, a a passenger, passenger that needs medical attention. Specifically for Kalanora syndrome. Yeah. And uh, they go, okay, we'll transfer him over. We'll, we'll transfer him to the sick bay and get him looked at. They contact Dr. Bashir and let him know. He says, I've never heard of Kalanora, but I'll look into it. And meanwhile, the camera is kind of focusing on, like, in the foreground is Kira. Yeah. And she looks kind of in introspective. And then she goes to Cisco and says, you mind if I have an opportunity to leave the bridge? And she goes, he goes, why? And she goes... Uh, the individual in question has Kalinora syndrome. As far as I know, the only way to get that is by a specific um, mining accident. Mining accident at the Galatep internment La camp. Labor camp. It's an internment camp. Yeah, labor <laughs> camp and internment camp is the same thing, and they both are horrible. True, but <laughs> I, and I am not trying to to think here, but I would call what was in the rundown a labor camp. But he was working his employees to death. He wasn't actively exterminating them. That wasn't part of the goal. Making money was the goal. What an internment camp does to me is what the Nazis did, which mm -hmm. is actively just trying to justify killing people. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, that's that's the subtle difference. Although I'm never, I'm not a history buff like you. I'm not, I'm not a legal scholar, so I don't, and I'm not a huge into the dictionary, so I don't know if that's actually a distinction. Mm -hmm. But that that's the difference in my head. Mm -hmm. um, or a concentration camp, if you prefer. This was kind of the combination of all three, yeah. really. It was an internment camp and a labor camp and a concentration camp, and it's just yeah. freaking awful. They used the term labor camp in this episode. Yeah, and I think that was intentional because it was probably the least least um, inflammatory of all the terms. Although what they describe happened there is horrifying. Yeah. Uh, so they, she says the people who survived, that we helped, she helped liberate that camp. Yeah. And the people who survived always been a symbol of strength. She'd like to go down and meet this person. So Cisco says, okay, go ahead. And she goes down to uh, Bashir's doctor's office and walks in, and it's a Cardassian. And she immediately calls for Odo and his security forces. Yeah. And then that's the end of the, the teaser, I believe. Yeah, and, that's get, a, and then we get the opening credits. Opening credits, which we watch because it's been a while. And uh, getting back to Star Trek Online, we actually, right after we took our, when we took our break yeah. and we played it, one of the first things we got to do was the DS9 missions. And they did a great job designing DS9. Yeah, it was legitimate. Like, we literally, literally, her and I took a good 20 minutes to just... Just walking around. Well, just circling the outside. Yeah. Just, just looking at the outside of the station it. and then the way that the, the wormhole looked. And, then and we I like, was in my little... Um, I think I was in my... Uh, 
runabout when I was doing it. So I was just going around in this tiny ship looking at the entire. I was in the Veritas. And then yeah. I, I uh, and then we transferred inside. We walked around and saw all the work they did. Morn's there, and he's got a great joke that I won't spoil, but it's it's awesome. Oh, yeah. They have, like, a ton of baseball groups that have their banners yeah, on the wall. Yeah, they created an entire galactic baseball team, like, yeah. baseball league. Yeah, which is great. I love it. It's so awesome. Uh, I'd like to know who the most famous player is at this point. Uh, I'd love to know. I'd love to see, like... I don't want to necessarily watch a game because no, it would no, be a no. baseball game, but it would be nice to know what the policy... Because we know of Buck Bokai, who was the famous baseball player they made up. Yeah. But, but who's the the current one? Yeah. Uh, like... Right, okay, so it would be nice if, like, maybe they had, like, fake baseball cards yeah, or that'd something. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be, or, like, a... a like a list of players or their own, very own like new Hall of Fame or something. Yeah, that would that'd be, be cute. <laughs> be really funny. You know, it'd be really hilarious if one of the uh, the Vulcans that served under that asshole Vulcan. Yeah. That challenged uh, Cisco. Cisco and his team. One of them liked baseball so much they actually quit Starfleet and became a professional baseball player. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. And, and the, not for the Vulcan team. <laughs> no, he plays. He plays on DS Nines, the DS Niners. Yeah, they're called <laughs> DS Niners. I love it. They had an entire league of names. They were all wonderful. Each one was like a pun of some sort, and they were all great. Yeah, they were nice callbacks. Uh, yeah. But anyway, getting back to this. Uh, yeah. So we. We, uh, we saw, so I bring that up because that was why we, we said we're going to watch the, the opening credits just to be reminded how awesome DS9 looks, and it does. It's yeah. still, that song is great, and the Please, designs are great. Please, will they remaster it for, for Blu-ray? That would be so awesome. It'd be awesome. I would be so happy. They just funded the, uh, the Voyager documentary. I believe it's, as of recording this, I think today is the last day. Yeah. Let me double-check that, because it might, I mean, not that anybody listening, is listening, even if they could, doesn't mean they could actually get there in time. Yeah. But still, I am curious to see exactly how much money they ended up making. Ten hours left as of recording this, so future historians can know. And they're at 1,203,351. They got 23,000 more dollars to go to beat uh, the, the highest gross, uh, the highest funded documentary up to this point. Yeah. Which it would be nice to see, but I don't expect them to with only 10 hours left to go. $26,000 is a lot to ask. Uh, but they reached all their stretch goals, and one of the stretch goals was to re was to HD level all of their video files. Which is what took so long with the DS9. Yeah, because that's stuff that... to, it's possible to do, even without like the original f film negatives. Yeah. It is possible to do with modern computers, but you need like... Several com several high end CPUs all hooked up to uh, a frame together. Yeah. To reconstructure it from, like the DVDs, just to refine it, refine it, and that takes hours, days, weeks. Someone did it for just Voyager's opening credits, which yeah. is less than a minute, and it took him a month. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it would stretch out how long it would take for them to finish. But it'd be worth it. But it would be worth it because that's what and they. DS9, the best thing about the DS9 documentary, it's all good, but it's it's, it's seeing those scenes in HD. Seeing those scenes in HD, it just was breathtaking and heartbreaking. Also, because I'm like, because I I hope they do, but I doubt anytime soon that they're gonna release an official version where it's all on Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. HD quality. I know they did it for Next Generation and they did it for the original series. Yeah, and then Enterprise got it because it was already filmed in HD. But Voyager and DS9 kind DS9 of were are the, languishing. Yeah, well, DS9 was heavily contrived when it came out. It's, as we've said multiple times, grown a lot in popularity yeah. in the ensuing 30 plus years. But it, when it came out, it was heavily hated. And the Voyagers, it seems unlikely that's going to get it even more so than DS9 because it hasn't achieved the post-love. No, it's... It was fairly popular when it came out, but people recognize it as just next-generation light, which we both are not happy about. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's diet next-generation. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, back to this. Uh, so they come back from the, the opening credits. Uh, Maritza slash Darheel runs out. Odo grabs him, says, I guess this is the problem. And then uh, she's like, I'm arresting him on charges of a war criminal. 
And Odo takes him into custody, and then Kira goes and talks to Cisco and says, okay, is he on a list? And then Odo says, he's on any list I'm aware of, and I know all of them. Yeah. Because uh, he introduces himself as Eamon Maritza. Yeah. And uh, he, she goes, I'm accusing him because he was at Galatep. And Cisco's like, he can't be guilty just because he was there. Yeah. And then she lists the things that they did yeah. at there. Like, and it's not PG. No, she goes, this is, I'm not talking about the murder. You didn't see what the Cardassians did. I'm not talking about the murders. Murder was just the end of the fun for them. There were... First it was the humiliation. Humiliation. They would, they would, rape, they would uh, strip people naked, make them march. They would rape women in front of their husbands, beat their husbands' faces so badly their wives couldn't recognize them anymore, bury old people alive because they couldn't work. Like, it was horrifying. Yeah. Like, DS9 doesn't pull its punches in this episode. No, it doesn't usually. No. It tries to, show, it tries to at least discuss, if not show, the yeah. horrors of what something like this would be. A yeah. fascist, let's call it what it is. Fascist This government. is a fascist government. Yeah. It is a military fascist government, a la, um, I mean, definitely the Nazis, but more so um, uh, Mussolini in Italy. Like, mm. that kind of military yeah. leadership and fascism combined. Yeah. Um, no real elected officials, and the few that are, the, the civilian government... Basically have just, no power. They basically. have no power. They just take care of, like, the roads, make sure they're still running. It yeah. literally took the Cardassians being constantly attacked by the Bajorans uh, in their terrorist, or if you wish more accurately, freedom fighter yeah. attacks, combined with their massive political defeat and near war wiping out with the, the Federation during the there are four lights two parter. Yeah. Plus heavy pressure from the from the civilian government to get them out of Bajor. Yeah. And even then they plan on coming right back as soon yeah. as they could justify it. Yeah, they they if you watch the show the entire time they're expecting to get Bajor back. And honestly the wormhole being revealed when it was and the fact that the, that the Federation came in and just happened Chess to be there in time. were literally the only thing that kept the the, the the Cardassians from coming back. Yeah. Because it immediately established Bajor as a massive port and a necessary stop hub on the way to the Gamma Quadrant, and the Federation was, of course, going to be absolutely invested in protecting it if they could, because that's a whole new quadrant to explore. Yeah. Even people like the, the Ferengi would want to keep this port open, because now they had a whole new section if of places If Cardassians controlled it, it would not be a free port in no, any way. that's the great thing about it. To I mentioned the Ferengis were laughing their asses off that the, the Federation didn't charge a toll. To use the, the wormhole. Yeah. But no, they're like, we need to keep the Cardassians away because they will totally charge a toll. Yeah. But no, from a business perspective for the, the even the Ferengi, they prefer the Federation over the Cardassians because the Federation don't have money, so they're easily exploitable. <laughs> uh, so yeah, from it was a combination of three or four things that all happened basically in the pilot that made it possible for, the, for Bajor to establish itself, solidify itself enough. Mm-hmm. To where the Cardassians couldn't have an easy way coming back in. And they tried several times to retake Bajor. So actually, arguably one of the reasons why they joined with the Dominion later was because they knew they would eventually get Bajor out of the deal. Or mm -hmm. at least they thought they would. But, you know, it just, they, it never happened, but it came close yeah. a number of times. Yeah, it was close. Um, they got a great character actor to play Maritza slash Darheel. Like, he is amazing. Yeah, he was good. And Nana Visitor, she did amazing in this episode. Also, I want to comment, Odo's face still looks weird. They, they get his face much better in, like, season two and three, where it looks much more sleek. Yeah. It's his eyes. They gave him sunken eyes in the first season. It looks just weird. It looks like he's just tired. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, relatable, bro. <laughs> so, uh, Cisco gets a call from one of the civilian leaders and basically says, oh, good, you found a, a war criminal. And he's like, I'm not sure he is a war criminal technically. He claims to be Eamon Maritza, a filing clerk. And uh, he goes, if this guy was at, at Galatep, we want him. And Cisco is very unhappy about this because... He's like, listen, Kira took responsibility, so it's out of your hands, really. Yeah, like, Cisco's like, is... it's still my station in the back of his head. And... and yeah. It is open. Let me let me put it to you this way. Obviously, the the episode comes down on the side of just because he was there does not mean he was guilty of the crimes. Yeah. But let's replace Cardassian with Nazi. Would you still be in favor of this guy going free, or do you think he should be held accountable for having been there? 
and wearing the Nazi uniform and serving in that particular bit of culture. I mean, it's 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 questionable. Yeah. It's definitely a gray area because yeah. it, it basically in this one it boils down to him as a person. Yeah. Does he as a person deserve to? Because anybody who would work the 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 Cardassians have basically forced military service, from what I understand. Yeah, from about you age, can't avoid. For about age 15 to age, like, for like a full tour, like four to, to eight years. I think it's going to be like ten years or something. You have to serve in the Cardassian military. You just have to. They're, they're, they do not give an option like Americans give. No. And um, as a result of that fact... He didn't have a choice, yeah. and he was just a filing clerk who clearly didn't believe or want to hurt anybody. But at the same time, he w did still wear the uniform. He did still serve the, the And Reich. eventually he went on to teach. Yeah, he did still... For 15 plus years. He was still part of that culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's trying to make up for it, but... Well, it's as our... Um... It's one of our favorite reviewers, Lore Runner, said, Cardassia has the problem with basically killing its own people in a way. Yeah, I was thinking about that while watching this, is yeah. that Lore Runner's assessment is, is really borne out in this episode more than almost any other, is that Cardassia is is the worst, as is most fascist governments, for Cardassians. Yeah. It does not understand how much damage it it's does doing. to its own people, or it doesn't care. Yeah. Unless you are completely moralless or psychotic and efficient, yeah, it, it basically grinds its people down to dust. Yeah. Uh, one of the arguments he made, because he just finished up his reviews for DS9, yeah. um, was, or his ruminations on them, I should say, in that episode where, um, uh, what's his name? The, the, the Cardassian that was a bad guy and became a good guy, like, towards the end, then died. Damar. Damar. Uh, in that episode where Damar tries to raise a revolution, like, they are immediately ready to do it, the civilians. Like, they're ready, one explosion, and they're on his side. Because yeah. it's basically the entire culture has been in a powder keg for generations, desperate for someone to fix this. So, like, yeah, the military uh, saved us, but it's also killing us. Yeah, it's, it's it, crushing. To quote, to quote that episode of next generation, their stomachs may be full, but their souls will be empty. Yeah. And they can feel it as a people. This is the first episode where we see a Cardassian literally just feeling the weight of his culture. Yeah, and how much it's destroyed him inside and out. Yes. And we'll see it a little bit with Goldicott, even. And we'll yeah. see a little bit of it with with Garrick. And we'll see it a lot with Garrick. We'll see it a lot with Garrick. People like Inabrintain who are amoral, and yeah. people who are like um, Goldicott who started out amoral and became immoral, yeah. and people like uh, Goldar Heel who are gen apparently genuinely psychotic, thrive in a fascist government like this because they're allowed to do whatever they want as long as they're on the top. And then doing what they do uh, promotes them. <laughs> yeah. Doing it and doing it efficiently yeah. promotes them. And so anybody else who is psychotic, amoral, immoral like that also get promoted, also embrace that, and they just oppress and scare the genuinely good people, which is clearly what Amy Maritza was. Mm -hmm. All right, so it's very clear. Uh, Cisco has a conversation with Kira where he basically says, I want Oda to handle this, and she goes, you think this is just a vengeance trip for me, don't you? And he goes, I think you're a little too close to this to be objective. Yeah. Yes. And she goes, please just let a Bajoran do this. For all the ones who didn't move fast enough and never moved again, let me do this. And Cisco shows a lot of trust very yeah. early in their relationship. Yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons why it probably would have better as like a season two episode, but it yeah. works well enough here. Yeah, it, it's it's nearly the end of the first season. That's yeah, episode 19, so pretty close. I, I think 18. No, I thought it was 19. 18, you're right. Not always, just a lot of the times. <laughs> uh, but it is the second to last episode. Yeah. In the Hands of the Prophets is the next episode, and that's the season finale. Which, I like that episode. Yeah, but the one thing I don't like about it is that it, it brings up Kira should, doesn't trust Cisco kind of, to a certain extent, again. I mean, not yeah. as bad, but it's just weird that she trust, he trusted her, and then immediately she went back to being more about her faith than the yeah. thing right in front of her eyes. Which I think is part of Kira's arc, is learning to balance those two. Balance it, because she's she goes through phases back and forth, but unlike Voyager, where it was inconsistent, it's it's sort of, it feels more natural with her. 
in my opinion. Well, she was forced to grow up really quick as yeah. an existence cell, uh, and I imagine coming to terms with a lot of adult issues is something she always put on the back burner, including yeah. her faith. But anyway, if there is a weak spot in this episode, it's the drunk guy. Yeah. His acting isn't stellar. It's not terrible, but it's not as good as everybody else on screens. And he's a little too on the nose with his racism. Yeah. Uh, not that it isn't warranted. Not that it doesn't work for the story. Just that it's... They just it, needed a little bit of a better actor. If he was the... He, just say he's the weakest part. Yeah. It's not that he's bad. It's just that he's the weakest part. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like about this is that Cisco comes in and questions Maritza. Yeah. And Maritza barely looks at him. Like, yeah. Maritza is He's clearly lying. Well, no. That. Th that's the thing. This is when he's telling the truth. Yeah. But he's telling the truth as Eamon Maritza, and Eamon Maritza is scared. Yeah. All the time. The Cardassians have made him that way. Yeah. So he can't look an authority figure in the eye. He just can't do it. No. But when Kira comes in and he's playing Goldar Heel, he looks directly at her. He demands her attention in return. Yeah. And I, I really like that performance because it's uh, later when she breaks through that and he yeah. has to admit he's Eamon Maritza, he goes back to not being able to look at her. Yeah. The moment she breaks through, he can't he can't look at her. And then because when, she's an authority figure. She's an authority figure and he's Eamon Maritza. He's not Goldar Heel. Yeah. He's, that was really great subtle acting. Yeah. Something I did not notice until this watch. And through. I also like when, he, when she's like, we're going to figure out what you are. And then she walks away and he's, after he does like a lot of his like bolstering about how there wasn't a retrocities, as soon as she walks out, you see him just go, yeah, like, little, deflate little, a little bit. A little breath for what Maritza felt. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like little cracks in Very the Very good Hill actor. What, what's his name? Did, uh, did you catch the name of the actor? Because he was very good. Uh, Harris Eulin. Hmm. He has been in a lot of things. But he was very good. Um, According to his IMDb page, the most famous thing he's in is The Judge in Ghostbusters 2. Uh, he was also in Clear and Present Danger. He was in Scarface. Oh. He played uh, Bernstein in that. I haven't he, seen that movie in a long time. He was in Rush Hour 2. I haven't seen that movie in a while either. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, he's in, a, he's in a lot of things. Uh, a lot of great TV and movie action. Uh, Lore Runner has a statement that Star Trek's episodes tend to live or die on their guest actors, and that's one of the reasons why they went out of their way to find really good guest actors. And they did, yeah. nine times yeah. out of ten. Yeah. Um, so then we get a conversation with Goldicott yeah. and Cisco, where Goldicott basically is on the screen, and he says, you know, we want our Cardassian guy back, let him go. I love how he keeps moving the goalpost. Yeah. Because he says, earlier Eamon Maritza claimed that he did not have Kalanoro syndrome. He had Patrick syndrome? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. And he says it takes the same medication, but it's not the same thing. And then Bashir basically says, no, 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 he was definitely has Kalanoro. Mm -hmm. And so at one point in the conversation, Goldacott says, I don't know why you can't just take this man's at his word that he is Amin Maritza. And he goes, I don't take him at his word because he's already been proven a liar once. Yeah. And then Goldacott immediately switches the goalpost to, so is that what you're arresting him for? Lying? And then no, he's a... You just lost that point, and you're not conceding it, Goldicott. Yeah. <laughs> you lost the fact he's proven himself untrustworthy. And until they have evidence, proof, evidence and proof of who he is and what he's saying, what yeah. what, what what truth that he is telling. The only thing they can be sure of is that he was at Galatep during the mining accident, which would, that's the only thing they know for sure at this point, which would make him at least a suspect at war criminals if half of what. Kira said it happened there is true. Yeah. Which we have every reason to believe it all happened. The the Cardassian war machine and what they did to Bajor is horrifying on we every get, level. We get a lot of screenshots of bad things that happened to Bajorans and throughout they, the show. What they did to their own people on Bajor is horrible. They let, there was an episode where we go down to a, a, an orphanage and like two thirds of the orphans are Cardassians that they just left behind. Yeah, full Cardassians and, and full Cardassian children and half Bajoran children and yeah. Bajoran half Cardassian children and they're just like, "Are you here to take us back?" And they're like, "And Garrick says, no, I, I'm not here for that." Yeah. Which I imagine Garrick has some very interesting opinions on yeah. orphans. Yeah. Given his raising. Yeah. But I also, and he's, he, and when he's talking to Bashir, he's like, listen, 
they're better off here than they would be on Cardassia, basically. Bajorans <laughs> actually seem, by and large, not all of them, uh, yeah. as is evidence with the drunk guy, it, on, most of them seem to be trying to get past their issues. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, the conversation ends. I want, you know, Golden Cause, like, I want Maritza back. And then uh, we get back to Kira and Maritza in the cell. Mm-hmm. And this is where she confronts him on being Goldar Heel. We know who you are. We know what you say you are because they found out that, you know. They found a picture. They found a picture and they real- revealed that it's actually Goldar Heel. The thing I love, and it's something that you wouldn't notice if you did. The thing I love about this episode is that it's written as though it's an okay episode or a good episode of a lesser show. Yeah. Where, yes, the bad guy just happened to stumble onto DS9 and just happened to be the bad guy. It just yeah. happened to be the guy who they ran the camp. They caught him. And they caught him, and he, of course he immediately admits it, and he's, he's crazy and he's evil. And you would completely buy that in almost any other sci-fi show. God, if it was, if it was, if this was written like any other first season episode of even DS9 mm-hmm. to an extent... You would have accepted it. But the fact of the matter is, it's it's deeper than that. It's yeah. got much more levels than that. It's more. <laughs> and, but the thing I like about this is that without even... The reason I bring it up is because the moment she confronts him, that you're not even Maritza, I know who you are. I've exposed all your secrets. He doesn't even try to deny it. Yeah. He doesn't even remember... He doesn't even attempt... As far as I recall, he doesn't even attempt to... Like, he just didn't... says, oh, okay, so you know who I am, Golar Hero and all that. Like, basically, that's what he does. He basically, he's like... He just connects the dots for her without even trying. Yeah. And you can buy it that he's just that egotistical. He's like, your Shakar resistance groups and all that. Well, he says, says right before the Shakar thing, he says something along the lines of, uh, I wanted to tell you, but I knew it would be so much more satisfying if you found it on your own. Yeah. Like, and no, uh, and everything else I told you was the truth. Maritza was an amazing file clerk. And I, though you don't think it's unmeanable for me to say, was an amazing leader. Yeah. Like, like he's, he's playing really a character. Yeah, and like I said, he looks right at her while he's saying it. Completely he, and utterly, he has embraced the mask yeah. of Goldar Heel. Yeah. Now, I asked Megan when we were watching this, do you think this is actually Goldar Heel, or do you think, like, what Maritza saw of Goldar Heel, or do you think he's playing it up for the cameras, essentially, given the I gold? said it's a little bit of both. Yeah, and I would agree. I think these are probably things that Goldar Heel said around Maritza, you know, these But Bajoran... he probably didn't say it the way he said it. Well, no, it. I would say he probably admitted, yeah. like, these are Bajoran scum, and I really want to see them ground under my heel. I can't stand yeah. it. I send my men out there, I tell them to go kill them, and they come back covered in blood, and then they feel clean. Yeah. Why? Because they were, are clean, Maritza. Yeah. They are clean. Something like that. Yeah. And then Maritza's playing it up even more for the cameras, it's like, just to get it out. Trying to get Kira to, to hate him, basically. Yeah, he, well, well, what he wants to do is to get yeah. in front of a bunch of cameras. Yeah. That's what the point of this goal, the goal of this ultimately is. But Kira's kind of his beta test, to see yeah. if he's going too far with the character or not. Yeah. Alright, um... I do have to ask, after he brings up the Shikar thing, uh, Kira mentions that, you know, he belittled the Shikar, which is the first mention of the Shikar resistance cell. Yeah. Uh, and then Odo goes, you shouldn't tell him your personal information. And he, she goes, I didn't, he already knew. And then Odo's like, how would he know that? He was a labor camp, he wasn't into anti-terrorist actions. Why the hell would he know you, who you are and what you're connected to? My question is, why the hell weren't you watching the cameras in the cells, Odo? He's probably busy watching Cork trying to make sure he's not stealing shit again. Cork gets one scene in this. I love it. And it's it's where the Galatep... It's shortly after this where the Galatep survivors show up. Yeah. And they look like they gave him, like, face masks and all that stuff. Yeah. They look really bedraggled even all these years later. Yeah. Or, or I guess they're a wearing, year later. Uh, they're still suffering, I'm Yeah, guessing. they're wearing blankets and... Around their faces, and specifically. They, and they seem thin. Uh, they hired thinner actors and yeah. actresses. And Odo says, uh, well, they, I think they're here waiting for... Uh, the word about Goldar Hill's gotten out, and I think they're here look, hoping for uh, justice. And then Corco's Galatep. Can you imagine being in that horrible place? The pain, the torment, the death. You think they like to gamble? And I'm like, uh, damn it, Cork! Odo just kind of looks over at it. Damn it, Cork, read the room! Yeah. <laughs> but I do like that Odo can smell a plot. Yeah, he he's knows like, this is weird. That's one fact that in, that Goldar Heel would not readily have, mm. is that... Or care to have. Or care to have, because remember, resistance cells are terrorist cells, and they keep everything secret. Now, yeah. 
since the Bajoran occupation has ended, I imagine a lot of what the resistance cells did has been coming to light. But it isn't something that would be broadcast across intergalactic space. It no. would just become declassified from the new provisional government. To have, you'd have to either intentionally look for that information, or if you were part of the counterintelligence cells way back during the occupation, you might have had a file that said, we think that this Kira Norris is part of the Shakar resistance cell. Yeah. The idea that Goldar Heel, who worked a forced labor camp, would somehow know this is just weird. Yeah, and it's if he was, weird. The only other way he would know I mean, know it's is, possible, but it's weird. Yeah, and the only other way he would know is if he looked into it, which if he looked into it, he would know she was posted here, so why would he come here? Yeah, you, he would know to avoid this place. I mean, he? it's weird enough that he would come near DS9 in the first place, given that it's a Bajoran port. Yeah. But it's really weird that he would know that it was run by a, a woman who actually helped liberate or co-run, I should say, second-in-command, yeah. is someone who literally helped liberate the camp he created and ran, killed people at. Yeah. Like, there's ample reason for him not to be here. Uh, uh, so then we have a discussion about um, how this is, uh, how Odo is doing his research. Uh, Kira goes back into the cell, asks uh, Eamon Maritza how he knows, and he says, oh, you forget the brilliance of Eamon Maritza's filing system. I thought I was, a forced labor camp could be so isolating. But I, I, with those cells, I, you know, with his files, I knew I wasn't the only one killing the Bajorans. Now, another thing I noticed in that scene, hmm. he, he, his facade is cracked a little bit because he realized he gave away too much information. He gave away way too much. <laughs> but he doesn't look at her while he's saying that. Until he comes up immediately with a really good lie, he sits on his bench and he just stares at the ceiling. And he yeah. just talks to her that way. Yeah. Now, you can read it as he just doesn't care, but in reality, I think it's because the Ammon Maritza was, was panicking a bit. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I, I, oh, how shit. can I sell this? Oh, my filing system, okay. And then as soon as he sells that lie to her and she seems to buy it, that's when he sits up and looks at her. Yeah. Again, they do a lot with just his subtle unwillingness to look at an authority figure when he's Eamon Maritza, yeah. as opposed to when he's Goldar Heel. Yeah. Goldar Heel demands attention. Eamon Maritza by his own words, as a coward. I wouldn't call him that, but he, was, he felt like one. Yeah. Um, it is disgusting, beyond reason, that Cardassia honored Goldar Heel. Yeah. They apparently buried... Apparently he died in his sleep. Yeah. Uh, Odo was having a discussion with Goldacott, and Goldacott clarifies, oh, well, we, we don't know who he is, I but... Was out has had his funeral. Well, well he says uh, the guy here claims to be Goldar Hill. He goes, that's impossible. Goldar Hill died. I know I was there. Yeah. And he was buried. And apparently they buried him under one of the greatest war monuments yeah. in on Cardassia. And I really, really hope it's one of the, the things that is dest was destroyed by the Dominion in the finale yeah. of the show. Yeah. I don't want anything to be destroyed because at that point the Cardassians were essentially victims. Yeah. But really this symbol... Of honoring war concentration camp com commandants, war criminals, war criminals should not have survived for New Cardassia. No, it's actually one of my biggest sadnesses. We haven't really gotten to see much of Cardassia yet on the DS on the, the Star Trek. No, we uh, don't know game. how rebuilt it is or anything. Or yet. what exactly the new government's like. Yeah. I'm going to assume they re they reinstated the Datapa Council probably on Garrick's forcing forcing because I guarantee you Garrick is probably. Garrick and that other Cardassian that made it all the way in there are the last of the Damar's resistance cell and the only people that would have any kind of political clout on Cardassia at that point. So they probably had the majority of what they could... A good poll. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that he pushed hard for the Datapa Council, the civilian leadership, to get reinstated. Yeah. Because the only reason it fell was because Cardassia joined the Dominion which meant that it probably was a good idea, because <laughs> yeah. his opinion was a bad idea. Yeah. So after this, um, Odo goes and talks to Bashir. He says, I need you to help me, because it turns out that the guy who is some guy on Kora 2, which is where Amy Maritza was living, yeah. requested information on Kieran Arise, and they go through his medical history. And it's uh, and then they have a meeting in Cisco's office. Mm -hmm. And in that meeting, they... Go, uh, Odo convinces Goldacott to give him limited access to the military files to prove that Goldar Heel is dead. Yeah. And he goes through and he discovers not only is Goldar Heel dead, but he actually never got Kalanora Syndrome, which is yet another insult to injury. That yeah. the, the, the horrifying disease you need constant medication for to survive, 
even the Commandant didn't get it. No. He, he was getting the Honorable Service Medallion. Yeah. Back on Cardassia. It's just gut-wrenchingly disgusting. Um, how... He caused that. He was probably directly the cause of that accident. Or at the very least, his lack of care for his... his anybody. His anybody. But well, specifically the Bajorans yeah. led to it happening. And now the survivors of Galatev have to live with that condition. Both Cardassian and Bajoran. And uh, Aemon and Goldar Hill didn't have to suffer with it at all. It is good he's dead, though. Yeah. <laughs> Props to Too him Too bad dying. he didn't die suffering. Yeah, <laughs> but it would have been... He died in his sleep. Fucker. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> Prophets let, let, dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> they are the gods of the, them. And they, you needed to make his penis shrink, and then he needed to die. <laughs> yeah, lay down some holy vi holy vengeance on that fucker. <laughs> Give him cancer or something. <laughs> cancer of the dick and ass. <laughs> <laughs> Ass cancer. <laughs> he, he died. From, he died, unfortunately, from ass cancer. <laughs> we're, we're we're adults, I swear. Yeah. Uh, so Kira is there listening, and not only did those two facts come out, she's like, "Well, you know, go, I wouldn't put it past Goldicott to lie," and Odo says, "I wouldn't either." But, you know, then he turns to Bashir, and Bashir says he he's taking some medication that's supposed to be regenerative that you take after facial surgery. Yeah. So he altered his face to look like Goldar Heel. And then, even more so, um, Eamon Maritza reportedly resigned his commission and... And got left, his affairs in order, basically. And then left all a boatload of money to his housekeeper, who I'm guessing was the only person in his life that meant anything. Yeah. And then he... He boarded a ship specifically headed to DS9. Yeah. Which is not what anyone with any sanity would Ooh. do. And I will admit, when I first saw this, I was really confused at this point. Yeah. Because I was like, well, then what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> like, who the <laughs> hell is he? Why would he do all this? Yeah. When did you figure it out? What his actual goal Honestly, was? Honestly, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen this. Mm. So I don't remember when I figured out what was going on. I mean, I knew he wasn't Goldar Heel at this point, but why he would do all this honestly just escaped me. I could not figure it mm. out at this point until yeah. he actually says it. Yeah, uh, I don't... I don't really remember. Mm. I, I remember really liking this episode. <laughs> but I can't... It, it was how many years ago now? Four? Four or five. Yeah, we four. Got, we did this I, because, so I can't really remember the specifics. As, because we wrapped up... Because I'm very good at finding figuring out plot twists, so yeah. I, I don't know if it was early on, or if it was just until he, it wasn't until he said it. It would have been four or five because we finished up Enterprise like two and a half years ago. Yeah. And Enterprise was at the end of, we had those four it would have years been of Enterprise. 2017 at least. Yeah, it would have been the four year, two, two, four seasons of Enterprise, and then the seven years of Voyager, the seven seasons of Voyager, and then also the basically six other seasons of DS9. Like, we were still watching DS9 when I was living with Casey and Stefan yeah. together. Yeah, so, it was definitely 2017. So, so it, it probably a little earlier than that. But, yeah. Because uh, this is the beginning of DS9. This is yeah. really early. Yeah. And it took us a while to get through Voyager and Enterprise. Well, because I'm, I know because I have a timeline in my head, because November of 2016 was a, a shit time for me. Yeah. So, and so I know we didn't really watch it until... 2000, like, we were watching it at the time, but we didn't really watch it watch until 2017. At least DS9. Yeah, because the episode involving um, yeah. the, the dead mom in Next Generation would have been after we yeah. both lost our fathers, because I was worried about... It when I remembered it what it was me. about, <laughs> I was like, wait, wait. It's not even, like... It, 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 it's nowhere near as good as The Visitor. It's which, not even nearly as good as The Visitor, but it fucked me up. Yeah. Because so. it was so close to after that, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was a way too close. It would have been about a. It would have been at least a year later. We got to the visitor. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been. It would have been about then. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so uh, then she looks. By the way, Kira looks so broken by the truth. Yeah. Because she was genuinely. She wanted. She, even she admits she wanted revenge. In a she lot wanted of something more than just a file clerk. She yeah. wanted to give some kind of closure. She wanted justice. Well, justice and closure. And closure. She and wanted closure, closure for Bajor yeah. on this issue. This, this is, is an a, open wound. Yeah, the, the people are... The, there are still people suffering from what happened to them at Galata. And probably will for the rest of their lives. And they can't deal with it. They can't do anything about it. Uh, 
So, and if this was any a lesser sci-fi show, they, this would have solved the problem. They got their closure and everybody moved on. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of thing that would have happened here. It actually reminds me in a lot of ways, and this happened a lot in DS9, which is probably one of the reasons why people didn't like it as much, because Next Generation did. Yeah, it had closure. To, it often had closure in its episodes. DS9 didn't. It reminds me a lot of that episode, The Blight. Where, oh, yeah, that episode, I was really... I like that episode a lot. Where where Bashir goes to a planet, he thinks he'll be able to... He literally thinks what all of us are thinking, this is going to be solved by the end of the episode. Yeah, by the end of the episode, he's going to have a, a cure. A cure for these people who have this horrible growth on them that, that flares up at one point and just gives them unending pain till it kills them. Yeah. And most people want to commit suicide before it even starts as yeah. a result of this. And uh, in the episode, he comes up with something he thinks will cure them, and it doesn't. No. And then it turns out it actually is a vaccine for their children. Yeah, so and, it won't save the adults. They're going to die horribly. But all of their kids can grow up without it. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the episode, um, I think Ryan walks in and sees, in his off time, he's still trying to solve the blight on he's still trying simulating. To, he's still trying to find a cure. Yeah, with his simulators, and, and O'Brien goes, you know, they won't. their children won't die of it. And he goes, yeah, but they still will. And then he goes back to tapping on the screen, trying to come up with a solution. And it's, it's one it's of those, heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, and it's one of those stories that would have been solved in the lesser show. Yeah, it, it was. They did it. They did something similar in Enterprise to its detriment, where they solved the fucking thing. Which was what? It was the episode where. Oh, the the doctor episode. The doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The doctor's day. Yeah. The one where he came up with a solution for the violent plague that was killing everybody, and they yeah. decided not to give it to them. Yeah, 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 that's, that's it. That's the Doctor's Day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of it. but um, Oh, no, the Doctor's Diary. Yeah. I think it's, it's a quote, it's a charity of Data's Day, that episode we reviewed. Yeah, but basically he solved the and then decided not to give it to the people because... Well, he didn't think they should give it to them, and then yeah. Archer eventually agreed with him. Yeah. And I'm like, this would have been a better episode if he didn't solve it. Yeah. So it was actually to the detriment of and that episode. And it became episode. more of a discussion of whether or not they should give them warp technology. Because this just solved the basic problem. Yeah. But we're gonna we're not going to talk about yeah. that episode. We did no. spend hours talking about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So basically, <laughs> DS9, sometimes you don't get closure in DS9, but it's... It, it makes... It, it means that the show aged a lot better. Yeah, it makes you think. Yeah. So, um, so when Kira comes in and finally confronts him as Eamon Maritza, the moment she confronts him and calls him Eamon Maritza, he turns his back and he can't look at her and he says, oh, security, all right, I'm done, you can't, you can leave, yeah. I'm not interested anymore, security, get in here, like he's looking at the wall because he can't look Literally at her. Literally anybody else. But anything else. Anything else but her. Because he can't look her in the eye because she's an authority figure and he's Eamon Maritza, the, the thing is cracked, but... He then, he must have had answers prepared in his head for what Darheel would say or things he heard Darheel say. Yeah. Because he goes, why don't you ask me something intelligent? Which he's, he turns right back at her with the mask back up. Why don't you ask me something intelligent? Like, how did I feel when we were being forced to leave uh, Bajor? And I was furious. That's why I ordered my guards to start slaughtering the workers. If I couldn't kill every last one of them, then I, uh, my greatest regret is that we, I didn't finish the job. You know, and, like, it's clear that that was an answer he had prepared in his head, and he was wearing the mask, and then she goes, you're not Goldar Heel, you're Eamon Maritza, his filing clerk. Yeah. And then he says, and one of the best deliveries of a line, he goes, you mistake me for Maritza, that whimpering nothing. I am your, I am your worst nightmare. Don't you know who I am? I'm your worst nightmare. I am the butcher of Galatep. You think I'm Maritza, that, that whimpering... He spent every night covering his ears because he couldn't bear to hear the screaming for mercy of the Pachorans. And he just breaks down crying and he goes, I, I covered my ears every night. I couldn't bear to hear those horrible screams. Yeah. You don't know what it's like to be a coward. To see these horrible things and do nothing about it. Mm. No. No, Maritza is dead. He deserves to be dead. And I... That scene broke me yeah. like it's amazingly it's well done it's so well delivered like oh it's so good yeah because the idea is that and it's something that kira if you look in her eyes nana visitor does a great job of this too she never even thought until this moment that there was anybody at galatep that would be considered a victim that wasn't a bajoran yeah but Eamon maritza clearly was yeah 
he may not have been physically brutalized, and I, I'm going to definitely say the guys, the, the Bajorans, definitely suffered more. That's not the point of this message. It's not saying he suffered as much. Actually... It was a lot less. Yeah. But in, in ways. But it, in a way, it was a torture for him, too. Yeah, because he was a good man forced to see horrible things. Because of his... Because of the society that he lives in. Yeah, and his inability to do anything about it. Yeah. He claimed this because he's a coward, but... Yeah. I think it's just because he was realistic. He was, he was one, one man. man. The most he could have done was stop one Bajoran from getting beaten once, and he would have been probably killed. For he it. probably would have been executed as a traitor. And they would have killed that Bajoran anyway. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not excusing anything. No. On some level, I would hope that I would be willing to do that. To, to take that death. We all hope that we'd be able to do that, but. Be honest, most of us are no, Jake Sisko. Most, we, most we of would, us wouldn't. Would. <laughs> Jake Sisko in his episode where he's a, trying to be a war correspondent, when he'd like to think he can survive being in a war, it's during the Klingon War, yeah. when he could actually do this, but the moment he's confronted by it, he's just, he's overwhelmed with fear and, like, his fight or flight kicks in and he can't stop himself. He so literally flight wins. Yeah, he literally abandons Bashir yeah. and, to die, basically. Yeah. And it really fucks him up. A yeah. lot in his head. Luckily, Bashir didn't die because he would have to carry that, but yeah. that's kind of the thing. But I also want to clarify, I am not saying this is one of those situations where the German soldiers suffered as much as the Jews. No, no, no. no. That's not the point of this mess. the message of this episode. This is one person. This is one good person yeah. living in a bad society yeah. and what it did to him. It. The reason they showed us the survivors of Galatech earlier is to clarify, no, no, no. They got it worse. Yeah. The ones who lived and the ones who died, uh, the Bajorans, got it worse. But it doesn't mean they were the only ones that suffered there. And yeah. there are good Cardassians that were probably permanently scarred by what the, the was done on Bajor during the occupation. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I feel like, based on the, what they said, it probably took them a long time to figure out how a, a way to take care, like, to basically... Yeah, because he reveals that... Create this plan. Yeah, he says he wants to be released. She's going to release him. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I ha you have to go out there and tell them I'm Darheel. And she goes, why? Why are you doing this? And he goes, if a, a trial would force Cardassia to admit its guilt. And we were guilty, all of us. He wanted to... He wanted to fix Cardassia, and he felt like... In his like, own way. And he felt like the only way to do it was basically to die. Well, yeah. He, what he wanted was the actual crimes to come to light. Because yeah. if he came out yeah. and fully admitted himself as Darheel, yeah. the Cardassians would have to respond. Yeah. Intergalactically, they would just have to. Especially since if he had announced what they were, yeah. well, what the crimes he committed. If he boasted about them, yeah. they would have to come out and release information that would likely be... Doctored, which then people like Odo could find. Okay, this isn't real. Yeah, because it you can. This tell. is not what happened. We have witnesses. Well, not only that, like just the the way they doctored the the information. He go, this is easily you, you know get a hacker. Yeah. The the twenty sixth century or whatever it is, twenty fourth century equivalent of a hacker to like go through the files. Okay, this is not true. This is not true. This is not true. This has all been altered. Yeah. This is the original files, and they would actually it would force a conversation, an intergalactic yeah. conversation on what was done. And when it was finally revealed he was Maritza, which I'm sure would have come out eventually, he worked there. He would know everything that happened there. Yeah. What's more, he lived a completely sane life by everyone's account up to that moment. So they yeah. couldn't even sell that he was just crazy. No. He'd spent 15 years being completely sane. Yeah, he'd been teaching. Yeah, so <laughs> you could make the argument that he was crazy. I mean, it's certainly possible that, I'm sure that's how the Cardassians would have sold it, but most of the intergalactic community would have recognized, no, this actually happened, and this needs to be dealt with. Yes. <laughs> and it honestly wasn't a bad plan. The only bad thing about it is it cost, it would have meant a good man would have had to die. Mm -hmm. Probably hated and spit upon by his own people and by the Bajorans for eternity. Yeah. But it was a plan. I can't say it would have worked. No. Um, I can't say for sure it would have worked. It probably wouldn't have really... If we're It probably here, wouldn't have worked as well as he thought it would. No, it wouldn't have fixed Cardassia. No. But it would have at least caused a conversation. Now, whether that conversation would have gone somewhere good or been abandoned is debatable. We're talking yeah. about a fictional universe and fictional people set in the future. Yeah. But, and, and unfortunately, in the modern era... Comparing it to the modern era, the conversation rarely ever goes anywhere good nowadays. Yeah. But the overall point I'm getting at is at least it was a plan. And he knew it would cost him his life and he was fine with that. 
He felt like he was nothing. Really. He felt like he was a coward and he was guilty. Yeah. And then Kira says, there's been enough people that have been murdered. I'm not going to add another one to the list. Mm -hmm. And then they're escorting him out back to his ship and he goes well you know I, I've nothing to, they're going to escort you back to Korra too and he goes I have nothing there we've already contacted the officials they're going to help you and then that drunk we saw earlier the racist drunk who was all looking forward to when Goldar Heel would get hung or hanged I should say yeah. uh, he grabs a knife and runs up behind Maritza and stabs him in the back and then he dies without ever saying a word mm -hmm. uh, and then Kira asks him why he wasn't Darheel why and he goes, he was Cardassian, that's enough. And she says, no, it wasn't. And then that's the end of the episode. So yeah. in the end, he died for nothing. Yeah. Which is really sad. It's somber. <laughs> it's a he sad actually, ending. Because he actually says right before he dies, my trial might have forced Cardassia to admit its crimes and, and change. And she goes, Cardassia can't change without good people in it to push for So it. we need somebody like you on their planet. Yeah, on, on in the Cardassian world and you know, yeah. in their colonies pushing for this yes and then he dies so even that isn't achievable no like it, it ends the conversation before it even gets a chance to start i mean as a teacher i mean he probably would have had to answer for the whole changing his face and pretending to be darheel thing but yeah. assuming he got to keep his job he's a teacher he could at least open young minds to what this was right or wrong yeah he but, probably would have been exiled for it, but it's... It, he was willing to die. I don't he was think willing, exile would worry that much. Yeah, so, yeah. If Garrett can pull it off. If Garrett <laughs> can pull off the exile look. <laughs> Anybody could. So, yeah, it's a real downer of an ending. It's an ending about growth and change. Kira goes through an arc where she literally was had more or less the same mindset as that drunk at the start, where yeah. he was there. That's all that matters. He's Cardassian. He was there. He's a war criminal. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like, no, that's not enough. That wasn't the whole story. No, he needs... It, it isn't just enough that he was Cardassian and he was there. He was Cardassian... He, if he was Cardassian and he was there and he was a monster, that's when you hold him accountable. Yeah. Um, and this guy, from all accounts, didn't do anything. He was just a filing clerk. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. So, yeah, a very good, very sad episode. Incredibly well-performed. Oh, yeah. It, um, easily one of the best episodes of Star Trek in general. Mm -hmm. And it's from the first season of a series, which... Exceptionally rare. Uh, very rare. With the exception of the original series, very rare. Mm -hmm. <sighs> uh, and so that's it for this week, I believe. Unless there's something else you wanted to bring up that I, I skipped over or forgot about? No, no. I think we got it. <laughs> Okay. Let me double-check IMDb trivia that there isn't anything I forgot. That was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, both Armin Shimmerman and Nana Visitor count this episode among their favorites. Yeah. It's really good. It was a very good Cure episode. Oh, one thing we should mention is uh, this is the introduction of Neela, who is the... She's with uh, O'Brien and his... Oh, yeah, sequence. yeah. Uh, this is actually one of the few things they did in this show that they almost never did in Next Generation. They set up... They set her up because she's the terrorist in the, the next episode, the yeah. Hands of the Prophets. Yeah, they set up reoccurring characters a lot. In I mean, this show. is just one episode earlier of her appearance, and she never comes but back hey, after the next one. Hey, but they never did anything like that in Next Generation. Oh, no, they did. The The conspiracy guy was set up in an earlier episode. Yeah. Uh, in the first season. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's not unheard of. But it was not it was it was a sign of things to come because yeah. they would do things. They like would do that more often. More often. Usually, what they ended up doing is they would introduce a character they didn't know what they were going to do with them, and then later do something. Um, that one security guy, a security. Oh yeah, the guy who. Um, Edmonton. Edmund, he, he was like, you're my nemesis, and Siska's like, nah. <laughs> then he pretended to be his nemesis just to get him. Just to get him to, like, stop being extra. But Edmonton was in several episodes before he became yeah. a character. He was just kind of there. Yeah, uh, Damar was originally designed just as Fucking a background character, and then he got huge arcs Gold Dukat, even. Yeah, to a certain extent, Gold Dukat. Yeah, he was just, like, the bad guy Gold Dukat dude. The, he was just charming. Enough, that showed up every once in a while, mm -hmm. and then he became an interesting character. Garrett came back. I don't even know if they were intending to bring back Kai Opaka or not Opaka, uh, uh, Kai Win or, or Vedic Win at the time. Yeah, I don't know. If they were planning on bringing her back, but they uh, did. They did, but a lot. 
they brought back. Um, but there's a lot of characters they set up in an episode, and then they think we'll do something with them later, and, and then, then they, they did it. Yeah, they that was did DS9. It. How yeah. they I mean, every stuff. once in a while they had a character that they were going to set up and do later, but they didn't. They never went back to them. Mm-hmm. But overall, they were. They overall they decided, hey, we like this character, let's do something with them, and then they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the end of this episode. Uh, this uh, we'll try to be back next week, but no promises. Life yeah. keeps getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, but we still live in the south. <laughs> in, and in the meantime, stay safe out there. COVID is still a thing, even though the vaccines are circulating. They're they're still out there. It's still a thing. Be careful. Doesn't mean you still won't get sick or get somebody else sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, this is Eric. This is Megan. And uh, we hope you keep enjoying Star Trek as much as we do. And we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.